Welcome to another episode of Tell Me More. I'm Luke Stair. Dr. Wiles and I are in the studio today. Katie Reed Hodges couldn't be with us. And we are talking about generosity uh, and the long-term legacy that it can leave when we are generous in the kingdom. We hope you enjoy it. And as always, feel free to reach out if you've got questions. We'd love to hear from you. Welcome to Tell Me More. Uh, we've got Dr. Wiles and myself, Luke Stair, here today. Katie Reed Hodges could not be with us. Uh, her absence is missed, but she'll be back soon. Mm-hmm. And so we're here. It's Holy Week. That's right. There's just a few things going on in the life of the church <laughs> right. during Holy Week. That's right. Um, what a great week for us, though, right? It is. You know, and reading John's Gospel, I was reading this morning, you know, just, uh, just the... It's fascinating to me that John spends to- so much time on those last few days, you know, and and it's his big focus. It is, and and I think about all the uh, the red letter edition of the New Testament, which some of my Bibles <laughs> yes. have. It's just covered in red ink, you know, this last week. Um, but it's just really powerful, and um, you know, I, I really appreciate the way John tells the story, and uh, yeah, and this week, I mean, we've got. Our Good Friday service, where we're going to hear um, some dramatic telling of mm-hmm. stories, you know, that's a part of the a part of the mix Friday night, and um, um, we'll have a very contemplative communion celebration, kind of a reminder of the Passover, you mm-hmm. know, that took place there in the final week of the life of Jesus, and we'll join into that. Um, it, it takes some more of that Last Supper feel, you know, yes. on Good Friday, you know. And so, um, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. So it's a meaningful week. <clears throat> it is, and it, so many ways. So many ways. I'm standing in the hallway yesterday. It's Monday when we're recording. Just watching our kids mm-hmm. wheeled yeah. down the hallway or walking down the hallway, <laughs> yeah. waving either real palm branches or ones yeah. made out of construction ones paper. Made, but yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, my little granddaughter had hers. It was a, it was a fun thing to yeah, see. Yeah, it really is. And this coming Sunday. Um, you know, we will include in a, in both worship services our children, our youth, and um, to give them the chance to just uh, share in the joy of the resurrection. So, yeah, this is this is the high and holy week for us. So it's it pretty is. awesome. It's you a know? great week. Mm-hmm. And so yesterday you preached over John 12, right. 1 through 11, which is this beautiful story. Mm-hmm. And as you pointed out, it's got some great contrasts and mm-hmm. there's some wonderful things mm-hmm. at work. And John is just such an artist. Mm-hmm. With how he writes this gospel, mm-hmm. see so of the contrast of Judas and the woman, the generosity and the stinginess. Mm-hmm. You have the dead man walking and yeah. the, the living <laughs> that man. Too dis- that wasn't too disrespectful, I don't was think it? So. I mean, <clears throat> but I was just sitting there thinking about if I'd been invited to a dinner, or at least if I'd heard there was a dinner in town and I'm close by and Lazarus is going to be there and, and I knew that he had died, I, I do think I'd been curious enough to go. <laughs> I, th- I think so. Yeah, to see if I could catch a glimpse. I mean, I lived in Waco for a while, and anytime people heard that Chip and Joanna Gaines were like at Chewy's, I mean, the crowd yeah. followed. So <laughs> right. they're just remodeling houses. That's so right. Yeah. It's it's pretty powerful. Raised from the dead. I'd yeah. definitely be checking that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it was a good sermon. You covered a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, about generosity, you had a couple points that I thought were really great. And I think the key one being that our generosity is contextualized 
by God's unmatched generosity. Mm -hmm. So whatever we have to give Mm -hmm. is ultimately said in this context of God has already given Mm -hmm. everything, Mm -hmm. um, and everything Mm -hmm. comes from God. Mm -hmm. You think about even in that moment, you know, what, what, um, what Mary chose to do, obviously this extravagant gift, but, um, and I don't, I don't know that I <clears throat> explained this even, I guess what I was thinking, but I don't think I did Sunday, but it's contextualized by what Jesus was about to do, really. Right. Think about it. You know, that <clears throat> she's given the most valuable thing she has, really, I think. Well, he's about to do the very same thing, but his gift is going to have import for eternity, you know? And so, so her gift, as incredible as it was, is in that context of Jesus doing what nobody else could do. And right. um, so it's just a, yeah, I just, I just love the, all the threads that are in there, you know, the way John weaves them together. And I think all the gospel writers do that. They do it in their own way, you know? Yes. To be honest with you, Luke, and as I've been reading and studying this during this season, I've never really put John and Mark together, you know, as much, but I've hmm. just noticed in my studies over the last little while that there's a lot of similarities with John and Mark, you know, Mark, uh, like even this story, Mark and John are the most similar in telling this story than the That's other gospel. I know, because you think Mark's very different. He's so just, man. Is, and immediately, and immediately, yes, and immediately. Right. <laughs> and, if, and I don't know that there's, I guess there's some red letter there's some red letters Jesus in Mark. Jesus doesn't do a whole lot of talking <laughs> in the right. gospel of Mark. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, historically on the mission field, we've used Mark's gospel in 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 sharing the story of Jesus. And I, I, I guess, to be honest with you, I've really trusted the missiological folks who've led us to do that more than me really contemplating myself why. I think the reason why is because it's shorter and it's so action-packed and it it's, you know, kind of gets to the point of the life of Jesus pretty mm-hmm. quickly. But but Mark and John, you know, if you if you put them side by side, there really are some similarities. It's kind of fascinating, even though there's some great differences because you know John is much more Judean, Mark's more Galilean. Right. But there's still some chronological connections that I found fascinating with Mark and there John. Are. It's kind of interesting. And I think if you're listening and you're thinking about the differences between the Gospels, most scholars would date Mark as the gospel that's written first. Right. Yeah. And John is the gospel that's written, written last. Last. Right? Yeah. And so John. At the time he writes this gospel, which is probably a good 30 to 40 years after Mark is written. Yeah, probably what I'd say. Um, John has had time to theologically reflect on what Jesus said and what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. And to just as we all do in our memories, when we look back, we ascribe meaning to the things that have happened to us. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that John is ascribing extra meaning to Jesus's life, right. but he's had time to reflect on it and about what it really meant. Mm-hmm. Mark is... Yeah, writing. I'm getting fresh. I'm getting the facts down right mm-hmm. off the top of my head right. as it happens. And you got to wonder what all did John know? You know, I mean, I, the, obviously they didn't have the communication system that we have, but 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 they did know things that were happening around the world. And so I can't help but believe that John knew Peter had been crucified and martyred. That Paul had been. I mean. There was enough. Mm-hmm. There was enough communication in the ancient world, particularly I think among Christians at the time, for John to have known that these great men and women of God had been martyred, or you know, right. And so, I think he he had some time to truly 
digest all of that as he was writing this. And I just wonder what that was like for him, you know, in retrospect, you know, looking back over knowing what's really happened. And I love the fact that he was able to do that without making everything about all of them, you know, because mm-hmm. the focus of this is Jesus. And he did, he does such a good job of keeping Jesus at the center. Right. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's been a fascinating journey this year for me. As I've told you before, I've never been uh, Johanna necessarily, you know. <laughs> you and I uh, both are Lucan. <laughs> that's right. I love Luke. Uh, and I still do. So that's true. But I've I've grown in my appreciation of John and and um and just appreciate the the reflection. And and, it, and I love the contrast like I talked about yesterday. I mean that uh, that with Mary and Judah sitting at the same table, you know, right. and and having two incredibly different experiences in front of Jesus and Jesus having two incredibly different experiences with them, you know, exactly. And, uh, and for John to be recalling all of that and just seeing that. Um, and, and then the fact that you do have Lazarus who has died and you got Jesus who's about to die. And yeah, I just, I love how the artistry of all that. And and plus I, I want to make sure our people, when they're reading John, they're paying attention to all these messianic, um, you know, threads, because John tells us at the end, I've written all this so that you'll believe Jesus is the Messiah. Yeah. You know, and so I want to make sure we're watching and listening because that's what's happening. He's doing that for us. Right. You and know? so Messiah in Hebrew is literally the word for anointed. Yeah. One, it's the anointed person. And here, Mary anoints right. Jesus. Yeah. So he quite literally in this passage becomes the anointed yeah. one. Right. So it's it's all there in front of you. Yeah, and there's, I feel like Sunday mornings right now, there's just not enough time to paint it all because there's so because you want to oh, also you can take this a million directions. <laughs> yeah, and you want to get to, you know, you know the, the the application of it if we can do that. But uh, but you know, you look at this story for you know for whatever reason, the Spirit of God inspired the gospel writers. All of them tell an anointing story, which makes perfect sense if you're if the Messiah is the anointed one. And there's this this passage is there. And John and Mark have most in common, as they tell it. Um, but it's a—it's just a beautiful, it's a beautiful story. And then on top of that, the reflection of, okay, so I may not be at that moment in my life like Mary, but there's more to this than just what I get out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something else inside of me that drives me to want to give which I do believe is connected to the image of God in me. And I would even say, Luke, I think that I think that's the explanation even for generosity beyond the church. In other words, there are many lost people who don't know Christ who are still very benevolent people. Right. I think that's connected to that image of God in us. There's something about human beings that it's not enough for us just to acquire. It's right. just it's just not. There's something in in us you know, I, I read these, um, and I don't know the spiritual life of Warren Buffett or Bill Gates or any of those kind of people. But when you read that they they talk among each other and say, "Okay, we've amassed all this wealth, we've got to we've got to invest this back in for the good right. of humanity." Well, why would they do that? Well, I don't know that I could say because they've been redeemed because I don't know them. But I believe I know enough about the image of God that there's something in every human that has that desire, you know, to yes. to share. And so, so that's why I wanted us, as we've been walking through this story, 
We've been looking at all the things that Jesus does. I mean, he's healing, he's providing food and bread, and, you know, he's um, he, he's helping you get delivered from your past. I mean, there's so much so far already in our journey together as a church. This room really been focused on who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. I wanted us to pause this one <laughs> this one Sunday and go, so how do I respond to all that? Yes. You know? This is a great question. You know, what am I supposed to give? So... Yeah, and I think if you're thinking about Mary and what she gives, I don't remember the exact statistics, so I'm ballparking it here, but I think 75% of the Roman Empire lived a subsistence hand-to-mouth life. I think that's about They didn't right. know yeah. if they were going to have food the next day. Right. So statistically, it's not crazy to say that Mary and Lazarus and Martha are subsistence-level people mm-hmm. who they don't know if they're going to eat tomorrow. Mm-hmm or if they're going to have food next week mm-hmm. or in a month. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're poor. Mm-hmm. And she takes this. The one thing. <laughs> and perfume is one of the most expensive things you could buy in the ancient world. Mm-hmm. I mean, Interesting, isn't it? It is mm-hmm. outrageously expensive, and they have it. It's their, it's their life savings. Mm-hmm. This is their fully loaded Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> right. And she just, Man, I know. it's not like going to Dillard's or Macy's and buying a bottle of perfume. This yeah. is... Mm-hmm. Empty out all the accounts, sell everything you have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a burn the ships kind of moment. And I love that Jesus says uh, in one of the other gospels, people are going to be telling this story about Mary or this woman from now on. And, you know, here we are, Palm Sunday 2023, and we're still telling this story because it's so inspiring, you know. And, and to me, that inspiration of generosity. Um, that was also what I was trying to capture Sunday morning for us because we have examples of it in our in our church. So let's tell some of those stories because yeah, yeah. not everyone who's listening may know. Yeah, about people like Beer Huff. Yeah, incredible lady. You know, just um, and I never met Miss Huff. She was dead a long time before I got here in 1989, but had lived in Arlington most all of her life. Um, her father owned a, um, a chicken farm and some land, and uh, Miss Huff worked here in this city. She became a part of our church in 1915, never married. And then she, she um, in those days, our church Sunday school was kind of the central organizational arm of the church. It kind of still is, it just, but it has a little different feel today than it did then. Um, and it was the Sunday school ministry of the church in those days was about prom- everything about promotion and growth and reaching people was all built around Sunday school. So you had these lay leaders who helped lead Sunday school. You had a Sunday school superintendent. That was the person who helped right. recruit teachers and all that kind of stuff. But you had a Sunday school secretary, and it was it was typically a woman, and their job was to keep up with all of the class members, make all the reports, count all the people that were here, give reports to the church every month. And, well, Miss Huff did that for like 35 years for our church, you know, just uh, – she so, was a public school teacher too. Yes, if I remember correctly. She was, and she worked. She also had a job working in a. Um, at the later in life, she worked in some type of a business as a, like in a, um, in more of a secretarial role. And so, as she got older, um, she came to Doctor East. Or most people in those days, Doctor East received an honorary doctorate in the kind of in the latter part of his ministry. Most everybody affectionately called him Brother East. That's what he was known as. And, and even today, our older people in our church, that's what they call him, Brother East, because he was just an endearing, godly, um, 
just just quintessential pastor of that era, you know, and and of this town, you know. Speaking of generosity, Brother East, almost every Baptist church in this town, Brother East helped start. He he, and so now those churches have daughter churches that are kind of granddaughters of First Baptist Arlington. But he would um, meet with folks and get land purchased, or there were churches that, you know, like like Fielder Road Baptist Church, was meeting in um, they were meeting in City Hall, and they were having. They were trying to get the money together to to buy property, but they couldn't they couldn't get the loan because in those days loaning money to churches was you know it was very different than it is today. Well, Brother East signed the note along with some other folks to get that land down on Fielder Road in Pioneer Parkway so that church could be launched. Mm-hmm. Mayfield Road Baptist, I mean Lamar Baptist Church. Doctor East had someone who who helped him and they purchased the land. Uh, actually, it was on the other side of the of the road. And um, uh, where, from where Lamar Baptist is today, and uh, <clears throat> and so Dr. East gave that he gave that money to another church in town so that they could or gave that land rather so they could plant a daughter church. So they ended up selling that property and buying the property across the street, which was right next to what was called the Turnpike in those days, and mm-hmm. planted Lamar Baptist. So he was the he he modeled that in front of the church. So Miss Huff saw that all those years that Brother East was constantly pushing the church to buy property, help invest in the city, and he wanted to blanket the city with Baptist churches. That was kind of his vision, and he did that. So she gets to the almost end of her life, and she comes to him and just says, so what can I get? How do I do this? What what do I need to do with what the Lord has blessed me with? Well, he, you know, when you, uh, when I got here, Brother East was still alive, and um, and so I talked to him a little bit about the story. At that point, he, you know, he's a lot older, and so you know his memory wasn't quite as sharp in those days, but he but he still remembered, and he could tell you some really good stories. Well, he just saw Miss Huff as this. You know, she didn't live in a she didn't live ostentatious. In other words, it's not like he looked at her and thought, "Man, this is a very this is a woman of means." That was not his view of her. Knew her as a very intelligent, sharp lady, and very committed to the church. And he just said, well, what are you thinking? She said, well, I want to I want to make sure that I do a good job with what I have. And he said, well, I think she said, leave it to the church. She said, okay. And she didn't have kids. She, she didn't, didn't have, have children, family. not married, all that. So, well, so when she when she died in 1989, Brother East said he was stunned because it was she left the church 1.2 million dollars. Well, that was the, at that time. That's the plus biggest, a house, plus a house, biggest gift ever in the history of the church. And again, you wouldn't have picked her out of a lineup, but what he didn't realize was she was working behind the scenes and following the advice of her dad, who told her, invest in land, watch it, sell it, reinvest in land. So that's what she did. And um, as I told the church Sunday, uh, we didn't realize it, but she had bought the land uh, from Grand Prairie, or land in Grand Prairie, sold it to the city. They put Joe Pool Lake on it, but she kept their mineral rights, you know. And so... A few years ago, we had this huge natural gas production thing that took place here. It's called the Barnett Shell, and we got all the royalties <laughs> from the city of Grand Prairie's biggest lake <laughs> because Miss <laughs> Huff had held on to those mineral rights. Um, so when I think about the extravagance of that kind of a gift, I mean, she she gave, first of all, her life was spent here in this community, and her her spiritual life was spent at this church, just faithful service. She volunteered. I think she holds the record for the most hours volunteering in the auxiliary at the hospital uh, here wow. in Wellington. Yeah, I think I think she's still the record holder. 
So how many of her thousand hours she volunteered the hospital? She worked, taught Sunday school, but then ultimately became the Sunday school secretary at our church. And then she gave everything she had, you know, to the church. Well, wow, what a what an inspiration. And so here we are, the home that she gave us, we've actually owned it longer than she did, you know. Um, Fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not even sure, Luke, how many missionaries at first they weren't sure what they wanted to do with that residence. We were already providing residences for missionaries. But they decided let's let's renovate it a little bit, whatever, refurnish it. Um Pat King, who's a member of our church today, Pat was the chair of that new committee that kind of oversaw what to do with it. I talked to her the other day and um she kind of told me that story um of how they decided, okay, we're gonna make this a residence for missionaries. And then the Deering family, um, they had been missionaries in Brazil from here in Arlington, and they came home on their that furlough, and they were the first people to stay there. And now Miss Deering, Greg, her husband has died. She's remarried, another former missionary uh, whose wife died, and they're now back in our church. And I saw her yesterday, you wow. know, and uh, it was a pretty cool connect for her, you know, when tell that story of Vera Huff, and she was the first one to live in Vera Huff's house besides Vera Huff. So, uh, so anyway, then, you know, you, and I think about many people through the years here at this church, okay, it's not necessarily giving a million dollars, but just giving extravagantly to the life of this church and poured their life in here. I mean, I could have told the story of Tilly Bergen, you know, right. an extravagant gift. I mean, Tilly has just given her life, you know, right. to this place, um, being a missionary in Korea, she and her husband, Bob, and and they have two boys. And this church, you know, has blessed her. She grew up here. She she lived one block from the church. Her home, well, they tore her home down. It's where the church parlor is, or the old parlor is today. So we, don't, we no longer call it the parlor. <clears throat> but that's where she grew up. I tease her all the time and say, you know, you didn't get very far in life. I mean, you just went one block. You know, you, <laughs> you spent your whole life right around. Her daddy owned a gas station, Caddy Corner, from where the church is. So she spent her whole life in this little triangle right here, uh, except for when she was in Korea. But anyway, so, you know, she and Bob get married, have these two boys go to Korea. And um, and far as she's concerned, that's their life. You know, he had served in the military in Korea. And so uh, they went back there, both school teachers. Um, and then Tilly, um, their son, uh, gets uh, um, a brain parasite and uh, just just can't really survive in mm-hmm. Korea. They have to come home and have the surgery. It's a miracle, really, that they saved his life. And so they come back to the church and, and to the community, and, you know, Tilly gets a job with the AISD and starts working uh, and then teaching here, teaching singles, uh, Sunday school, teaching mission friends and all of that. And then one day Dr. Wade has this vision that he wants to— um, he started a, um, a women's clinic here— for battered women, you know, years ago. And uh, and then he just got convicted about the fact that um, people that live primarily in apartments are unchurched. And so Charles just said, okay, we need to address that. So we need to start we need to start ministry in those apartment complexes because we're not reaching them. Another right. generous move Another by generous pastor. Move. Yes. Pastor How do we give church. ourselves away? That's right. So think about that. And so Charles just said, let's blanket the city. You know, Dr. East blanketed the city with um, Baptist churches. churches. Charles said, okay, let's take the love of Jesus in a tangible way into these apartment communities. Who could I get to do that? Well, 
he told me one time the best missionary he knew was Tilly Bergen. So he goes to Tilly and asks her if she'll come. And well, he he needs to fund it, okay. And so he goes to the Texas Baptist Convention and says, okay, they were doing a church planting initiative and they had some funds available and Charles appealed for those funds. So they came back to him and said, well, this is not really a church plant. I mean, you, you're, so tell us again what it is that you're doing. <laughs> it was a very novel move at the time. It was. And this was not um, yeah. long before this kind of movement was common. Right. Um, so Charles just said, well, you know, these will be churches, maybe, <clears throat> but the bottom line is we're we're going to reach unchurched people that we're not reaching today. So the convention agreed to give them a five-year uh, grant to where <clears throat> the the you know they were able to pay the portion of Tilly's salary. In other words, greater the first year, if that makes sense, and it diminished over five years, so the church could assume it. And then Charles needed a little more money. And so one of the things they were doing in those days, they were broadcasting on the radio. Okay, so this takes us back. So he decided to suspend that and pour that into this new ministry. And he felt like the Lord would, would at some point replenish all that if they did this. And so they started the, the, the home and the, the shelter for battered women, which exists to this day. Um, it's a very, very vibrant ministry in this community that Dr. Wade started. And then Mission Arlington has become what it is. And so Charles had the idea, and then Tilly gave her life. And, then, and what an extravagant gift, Tilly and Bob Bergen. I mean, so we've got so many examples here, Luke, at our church. And then so many others that have given. Some of it's financially, you know, like I mentioned Sunday morning. We're in the middle of the Blessing the Generations campaign. And the last thing I want to do is advertise some other <laughs> some other thing we need to do. And I have a church member come to me and say, well, tell me your vision for the student center. And so we talk about it, and they just say, well, why don't we go ahead and restore it and, and, and renovate it? And I said, well, because. I'm not running two campaigns. <laughs> yeah, and so, well, tell us how much it costs. We do, and they said, well, we'll do that. So we've renovated. While we're doing all that, we renovate the student center. I mean, I've, I've just watched example after example of extravagant giving, giving division. When we decided we wanted to launch sending and global missions and all of that. Well, numerous people came forward to make sacrificial gifts because one of the one of the concerns we had was two of the concerns. We didn't know if we were missiologically mature enough to do it. Well that's one. And then second, we didn't know if we were financially secure enough to mm -hmm. underwrite it. Okay. So Mike Stroop, your mentor from Baylor. Love him. We brought Mike in and said, can you help us understand how to be missiologically savvy enough and mature enough to send missionaries from our church? And then I brought people, numerous people, Mike Steiger and a number of other folks from our church together to say, can you help me uh, uh, develop a plan to make it financially secure enough to where we can do this? And so you had, you had people come together. Well, then we had to have people who were willing to extravagantly give their lives to it. So Ashley, Ashley was the first one who said, send me. I'm we have a couple on staff at our church now that we we've do. sent. That's right. Kara, Ashley. So in those days, we had we had people come forth and say, okay, Gabe and Seda, Ron and Sharon Hill. Um, there's a whole list of them who said this was an extravagant gift of their lives. So I didn't go into all of that Sunday. I could have because, um, but the point is over and over and over again, 
when we've made these moves as a church, the response has just been extravagance, and and it's made it's made an unimaginable future a reality. You know, right. so I look back now, we've sent like I think it's twenty one or twenty two different actual units. You know, either families or individuals to live cross culturally long term. Many of them have come home after a period of time, uh, but we've established three long term efforts now. Um, and so you think about all those lives have been affected and how the kingdom of God's been impacted and how the church has responded to that to blanket. My vision was blanket the world. So we, every pastor has been different here. You know? <laughs> um, I think I think that's that's an understatement. Um, but we've all had a certain. Uh, fingerprint, I guess you could say, on the life of the church. And and God's people have responded, you know, over and over and over. And um, and so now I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to God for the um, investment we have globally. And we're going to continue that. But I've got concerns locally now that I believe need to be addressed. And so you heard a glimpse of that from me. Yeah, you morning. did a little vision presenting. Yeah, just a little bit. This connected, though, to to me the role that churches like ours can play in a community, and um, and so, um, and I'm I'm fully convinced that there will be examples of extravagance that make those kinds of things a reality, and and the extravagance is not always that showy, you know. As I tried to say Sunday morning, there are some people that a hundred dollars is an extravagant gift because they may be in a situation where. They can't even see their way possible, you know, clear to do something like that. But then they choose to do it anyway. Kind of right. like when Jesus looked at that woman that day in the temple and said, you know, she's actually given more than all these people. Or the boy with his lunch. Yeah, right. I mean, it's not the it's not the size of it. It's the, it's the context and it's the calling. And you put enough of that together, the spirit of it as well as the collective um, uh, accumulation of it, and and I believe God uses that to do great things. And so I'm, I'm I would tell you that I feel responsible as the pastor of this church to first of all be a good steward of our heritage, and be appreciative because we're standing on the shoulders of these people that have gone before remarkable us. people, incredible. Um, if you think I don't shudder sometimes when I think about the fact that I followed Henry East and Charles Wade. <laughs> you know what I mean, and now, you, now you've got me. So think about that. Um, so, You're not too shabby, but it's uh, it's an every day I wake up and think, don't mess this up today. Just don't mess it up today. But I think about how I'm standing on the shoulders of two godly men with vision, who pastored our church at a different time, different context, and yet they left imprint on our church. The, the imprint community. of those two men on Arlington, Texas. Uh, I don't even know how you'd met. Where would you even start? I don't know if you could measure it. Yeah, I don't know that you could. I mean, those two men together had such a massive impact on this community. And uh, and the fact that we still have Dr. Wade with us, who's a treasure, who's our pastor emeritus. I'm so grateful when I came here, we had Dr. East was still alive, and I could talk to him and hear some of his stories. Um, I mean, yeah, what a, what a privileged life I've had, you know, mm. to think about. I mean, Dr. East came here in 1951. So you think about from 1951, this is 2023. We've only had three pastors. Which is wild. <laughs> I'm saying it's just it's pretty incredible, actually. But each one of us has led in a different context, and the church has has responded 
just so graciously and generously. That's why I said to the church yesterday, and I, and I mean it, and no, no, no disrespect to other churches I've pastored. I've, I've, I've been blessed. But this church to me is the most generous church I've ever been a part of. Uh, it just gives itself away over and over and over and over. Yeah, and I think in the, what is it, eight months I've been here, I think I can attest to that. I'm just watching it, and it's not always money, but watching people give their lives right. or their expertise. I mean, mm-hmm. sitting on this team that has poured over this proposal of what we do with the mission houses, watching right. can, people who oversee construction for <laughs> large yes. businesses, yes. some yes. of the top real estate agents in our town, or yes. Jeff Williams or Preston Lecrae, who just yes. are top-notch yes. giving their expertise away Absolutely. to our church. Yeah, you got Bill Wheat. Bill Wheat's the CFO of D.R. Horton. It's the largest home builder in the world. Right. And he's looking at our two homes, trying to decide, help us figure out well, what's the best way <laughs> right. to to address this and figure out how to take care of our missionaries. I mean, yeah. Or I watched Debbie Bertrand, yeah. who wrote preschool curriculum for the state of Texas, <laughs> teach my six year old Sunday school class yeah. and give her life and That's her right. expertise. That's exactly right. Yeah. We have people who are mm-hmm. giving it away, mm-hmm. giving their lives away, giving mm-hmm. their time, giving mm-hmm. their money. Yeah. Happens over and over. I mean, Bob Fuston spent his life working in the church, worked for the BGCT, comes to me one day and he says, you know, Pastor, I really want us to have this servant statue, and I'd like to have it housed on our campus. Again, I said, Bob, we got so many things going. How do I, How would I raise money for a statue? You know, I love art, Luke. My goodness, I lead a tour of Rome every year. Of course, but I'm thinking... And Bob says, it's such an example. It's such an inspiration. I believe that it can inspire people. I said, Bob, art does that. Trust me. I believe that. But well, He was he, right. Yeah. And then he comes back to me, and he writes the, the, the check, the massive check himself. And again, this is not—Bob didn't run—he's not the CEO or CFO of D.R. Horton. And I'm, I'm not disparaging anybody. I'm saying, in other words, he didn't work in the construction industry— He's not a statue expert. <laughs> He's a minister of education who has poured his life into local churches all over Texas. And and he has he kept um, what he could, great steward, and he comes to us and he wants to give that, and then he wants to give to bless in the generations. And I look at that and I think, what, a, what an extravagant gift. And every time I see one of these UTA kids I standing in front of that statue— I pray with— Hindu students from UTA in front of that statue regularly. Incredible. I get called out to pray with someone in front of that statue who's not a Christian. So think about that. And what an an extravagant gift. I mean, this church is humbling, you know, to to just watch it play out. Um, And uh, and these stories, that's why I want to tell these stories. We're still telling these stories. Yeah, because they matter. They they mean something to us. And and it, it makes, it just makes the church what it, is you know and uh and what i love about it is it's still being written it is you know it's still being written and god is continuing to use us and and uh, and i'm grateful for that because um i realize you know we live we're in a whole different era now in downtown churches you know right now this is this has not been their <laughs> their moment of of thriving you know but somehow God has continued to bless this one, and uh, and I want us to steward that into the future, you know, and continue casting vision that people can respond to and give their lives to. 
So we could say bless churches, bless communities. Yeah, that's right. But that's bless people, bless people. <laughs> that's right. I think if I were putting a nice little bow on this, because I know we're getting to our time. Yeah. I mean, I think about Mary giving this gift, mm-hmm. not knowing what the ramifications of breaking open her life savings would be. Right. Um, but the fact that her story has inspired this generosity, I think she, being fully alive with Christ, has to have some glimpse of the legacy that her gift has yeah. left behind. Let's, let's hope so, surely. But the the legacy that we leave behind when we live generously in the kingdom of God has impact far beyond, I think, what we expect, whether that's with our money or our time, mm-hmm. our gifts or our expertise. Mm-hmm. When we give those things mm-hmm. so generously to the kingdom through mm-hmm. the church, mm-hmm. we don't know what the impact will be. I don't think Bob Houston was thinking, let's strategically place the statue of Jesus the servant so that when UTA has a surge of South Asian Hindu students, mm-hmm. they'll come mm-hmm. and pray with it and then want people to pray with them and mm-hmm. we'll open the door for conversation. Right. I doubt, and maybe Bob Houston is a brilliant man, so maybe he was thinking yeah. <laughs> that strategically. Yeah. Probably not, he, not, that, not that definitively for sure. But I doubt he knew mm-hmm. what that would lead to. Mm-hmm. And so if you're listening, your generosity often has impact far beyond oh my goodness. what you can conceive. Yeah, praise God, right? Praise God. Mm-hmm. Pretty good word today. Thank you, Luke. Thank you. And thanks for listening, everyone. And we will be back next week talking about the resurrection. Amen. for listening to the Tell Me More podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice, or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church. Thanks for listening. Have a good day. Have a good day. Yeah, I'll work with that. Okay.